We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from don't, don't make it. Welcome back to another episode of the Buzz Beat Podcast. This is Lee. I'm with Brian, and we are coming to you today with another edition of our kind of uh, throughout the season uh, NBA prospect pods that we'll be sprinkling in. Um, obviously, our audience and listeners know this is a majority Charlotte Hornets podcast, but me and Brian are going to sprinkle in some NBA prospect pods throughout the year. Uh, not only because it's fun and we like to do it, but also because it does inform some conversation around the Hornets, particularly this year and potentially a pivot year for the Hornets and what prospects they may or may not be targeting in next year's draft. Today, we are going to recap two games between the G League Ignite and between the Metro 92 from the French Pro League that has Potentially a generational prospect in Victor Wimbignana. Me and Brian will probably go back and forth on that a little bit as well. Just a couple housekeeping notes. Um, We have had two preseason reaction pods from the Charlotte Hornets games that you can find in the feed. And of course, if you want to get that feed quicker, earlier, bonus episodes, quicker releases, premium content... All that good stuff, check out BuzzBeat Plus, which is a subscription model to the podcast that gives you some perks and early releases. Brian, um, how are you, man? We, we've got we've got some fun prospect talk and banter to have. Um, are you ready? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I hope you, everything is good in your world. And yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited to be doing this. You know, like you said, Lee, we've done a couple of these draft pods, including one on Scoot Henderson um, back in early September. We did a couple other ones that focused on not one and done guys in college ball this year, but some of the top returners. Um, so we talked about Maxwell Lewis, Terquavion Smith, and I think all of those are were, were good content and they were relevant, but I do recognize that there's maybe, uh, there could be a little bit more interest in this one and a little more relevancy, just given the, uh, or relevance I should say, just given the uh, the timing. And look, you and I have been planning to do a Victor pod for a while now. Uh, part of me kind of wishes we had gotten one out, 
you know, just before this this thing in Vegas. But I think it's I think it's worth actually now debriefing on the backside because what we saw this week in Las Vegas was pretty special, and I think and I think in a lot of ways a sign of things to come. Um, to see the the projected number one and number two picks going at one another, backdropped by the setting of Las Vegas and an early start for the second game, so an international French audience could see Victor play. Um, so, you know, people in his home country could see him could see him do his thing. All the attention it got, the buzz on social media. Um, I know my timeline is slanted towards basketball and towards the draft. <laughs> But um, it was just like inundated that night, yeah. Of the fir- of the first game, at least, and I just thought it was pretty spectacular. And my guess would be, look, not every year that you get two prospects like Scoot and Victor. And I know we don't want to think about this draft as just a two-player draft. Like they're the headliners, but it's they're deep. All, they're yeah, and Eamon Thompson is 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 a really really impressive prospect that I think has, um, you know, I I have slotted at number three right now, and I I think he's quite special as well. But I do think you're going to start to see these types of you know highlight featured games more, and maybe it won't every year. It's not going to be quite as good as this, you know. But just seeing what they did, how it worked. I think was was pretty awesome. So I'm I'm thrilled to be here and thrilled to be talking about these two guys, specifically Webinyama, who's someone that's been on radars for a while now. I mean years. Um and I got my first taste of him, like first like real taste of him last summer, the summer of twenty twenty one during the U nineteen FIBA World Yeah, Cup, that's right. Um when he played for France. And he was incredible in that event as one of the younger guys um, in that event. But Saul France plays several times in that event, including the gold medal game against Team USA. And what is going to, I think, end up going down as like a potentially historical Team USA roster. Jaden Knight. Loaded. Loaded. Kennedy Chandler. Uh, Johnny Davis, Harrison Ingram. Uh, there, I'm leaving out Patrick Baldwin Jr., who we who we did a pod on before the 2022 draft. So there was some incredible talent on that Team USA roster, and um, and Wembenyama though when they played was the was the best player on the court. So and he looks. <laughs> He's different, man. Like he's he he is he has gotten that that those events were 15 months ago, and I mean he has progressed rapidly. And so we're going to discuss where he's at now, and I think some of the stuff that has transpired since that event and the last year and change of, of Victor's pro career. But yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah, well, and just to set the table quickly, like for if there is kind of a obviously our audience is Hornet centric that may or may not, you know, pay close attention to kind of draft prospects. I do think this is worth your time just to set the table here. G League Ignite in their third season, obviously. Scoot was on the G League Ignite last year, but was in in more of kind of a backup role with Jaden Hardy and Dyson Daniels and some of these guys that are in, in the NBA this year. Obviously, the G League Ignite have had, you know, they've had Jalen Green, they've had Kaminga, they've had, they've had Dyson Daniels. This year, Scoot is like the man on the G League Ignite. He is totally driving the ship. 
and 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 they played Metro ninety two, which is a French pro league team, which features Victor Wembanyama. And you alluded to this, Brian, but like props to the NBA and props to the French pro league for for coming together and making this happen. Because, like you said, it is a pretty kind of unique thing to see the consensus number one prospect in Victor and the consist consensus number two prospect in Scoot get to go head to head in a, in a in an awesome environment, like you said, but. Let's let's cover Victor just right off the top because we did have a, a prospect pod on Scoot where we covered him for like 45 minutes. I think it's worth talking about him again today because as we talked about in that prospect pod, he was going to be in a different, more featured role this year, and he is, and that was like evident from the get-go in the first half of that, of that first game on Tuesday. But let's talk about Wimby. If you live in Under a Rock, uh, Victor Wimbanyama is – Seven four, seven three, seven four, somewhere in there. At least, at least, uh, just you know, absolute. I know this is an overused phrase, but he truly is a unicorn. Like if you remember, kind of the first moments of Porzingis being in the NBA, where where everyone was just kind of like, "What is this? Like, what is this floor stretching, rim protecting, seven two, gangly?" Uh, coordinated like freak like that is Victor but on a grander scale like the physical dimensions that pop off the screen are even more jarring and like almost CGI looking the way he covers the floor um I think just from a high level I'll make a couple quick observations and then kick it to you Brian for kind of your your thoughts on him specific or not just kind of dive into what you've got on him but Again, 7-4, generational prospect that moves like he's a 6-6 wing. Like when he handles the ball, uh, when he brings the ball up the floor, the way he shoots, uh, I think his shooting, you alluded to this, I think his shooting has improved in just the 15 months since we saw him in FIBA um, last summer. He can do really a little bit of everything. And I think the one point I wanted to make before I kick it to you is like, the shooting is really just gravy on top of what this guy does. I think that was that the shooting was really kind of highlighted on the social media buzz and the and the Twitter conversation around these two games because he did have 37 and 36 points. He hit seven threes in the first game, which is incredible and ridiculous for a prospect of his age and size. But like it's the rim protection. It's the way he moves. It's the it's his willingness to kind of, you know, have a post game to roll in the pick and roll and finish around the rim with like spins and creative finishes and uh, Euro steps. Like this dude is not just a kind of finesse skilled big, like, yes, he's skinny. Yes. He gets knocked around a bit. Yes. He's a little goofy looking, but like, he plays with kind of a certain edge and toughness that I think was even a little surprising to me. And I'm just like, my God. I mean, so go ahead, Brian. Just take it away. Yeah, you mentioned a, a, a bunch of good things there. One is the way he moves. It's it's just incredibly fluid for, for a player uh, that age and that size. Like that is uncommon. That truly does seem to be unique even if you try to try hard to find some of these other 
historical or of of more recent vintage analogs for him right but you mentioned i think i think porzingis is one of those types though i think weapon yamas as i think we would both agree his ceiling far exceeds that well the part, handle just the yeah, handle, handle straight alone off. and and you can see too like the <laughs> the way his handle i would say is pretty damn impressive for someone yeah. that size like obviously like it's it's a little it can be a little wonky just because of his his size and because guys are really challenging him like you can see smaller players trying to be like all right let's see what you got yeah and, and try to get the ball away from him and he's really really good at um at, at not kind of like being knocked off of his axis like i think he does need to get better finishing through contact i think that'll come with time. but his turnover the turnovers that he has um i feel like when he's like initiating offense or in some sort of self-creation mode often those are there they come out of uh when he's being a little aimless and he'll just sort of like drive into nowhere and and you know throw a bad pass or throw a late pass or whatever it's not just guys um bulldozing him and ripping the ball from him like it's it's not um like if you've been if you've been watching the Hornets in preseason, it's not what's happening to you know James Booknight, you know, right. where he's just getting guys are coming up and just taking his lunch money from him. And that is in part because Wembenyama, despite the incredible size and length, like he is the bend, the flexibility yeah. that he has is kind of unbelievable. I would say if anyone pulls up his highlights or if if you pull up highlights from these two games. Um, in out in Vegas, keep an eye on where that guy's shoulders are when he drives. It, it because totally. because when he's standing at full height, it's jarring how tall he is. Even on the floor that's filled with other, you know, massively tall people, <laughs> like he stands out in terms of his size. But he's able to contract his body and do it while he's moving. Um, and he's got the ability to to not just drive in a straight line. If anything. It'd be kind of nice if he got like maybe a little more assertive in a straight line, but he's got crossovers mm-hmm. into step backs. He's got spins into fadeaway jumpers. Um, he busted out like a, a Euro step finish in the second game out in Vegas. So he's got like a bunch of these little these little tricks. And that's why I think ultimately he's gonna be like an incredible finisher. He's already sort of like tantalizing you with the shot making and the shot versatility and the touch. Um but I, but I would add too, just specifically to the movement stuff. The thought I had um, while watching him play is the way he moves coming off of down screens as someone that size, or yep. flowing into handoffs, or being like the trailer on a break or secondary action. He is moving and shooting off those looks, like where even if he was a foot shorter, even if he was six, four, six, five. Oh, totally. You would still say this is like pretty impressed lower body movement, uh, in touch from an 18 year old prospect or whatever. Like that, that's, I, that's truly something I believe. I think it's, it, you know, we were, we did a pod on, on Malachi Branham, um, mm-hmm. a couple of months ago talking about his, his screen usage and movement shooting skills and how advanced that stuff was for a freshman in college. Well, Victor's Victor is younger than that and a foot taller than that. And his movement skills are so impressive. The ability to square his lower body, to square his shoulders, to shoot 
fluidly off movement. It's again, it's kind of jarring. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think this two game sample may warp a little bit what our expectations for him as a shooter are. And I'd actually kind of be curious to know it's like a great long, long term where you think um, he ends up as a shooter. I, in my head, I've, I've kind of thought of a couple of different like big man shooter tiers and, and we can kind of get into that. But just focusing specifically on the movement for right now, it's jarring. And then defensively, oh man, the, the ground coverage is incredible. I think the first sort of like highlight play he had in the first game against Ignite was G League Ignite ran flex action, and Weminyama was guarding someone in the high post at like the left side elbow. And Scoot Henderson sat, set a flare, uh, set the baseline flex screen for City Sissoko, who is another first round mm-hmm. prospect. I don't think City had a great showing in Vegas, um, though I think there were some some good moments. But so I mean, City's getting ready to go up for uh, what what should normally be a uh, you know a quick finish along the baseline coming off the flex cut, and Web and Yama just soared in from. Seemingly out, it must have been out of nowhere for him. But he basically, if you're watching, I was watching on my computer, and he comes from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen to just absolutely delete the shot. <laughs> um, and so the ground coverage is truly, truly, truly amazing, and you can see him really going for stuff. And I think maybe that that pulls him into some bad gambles, and therefore, mm-hmm. like some of the the closeout one on one defense on space is um, a little is a little porous at times, but I think part of that is just because like the aggression is at a good level and like he's trying to do stuff. I think really sort of like testing some of the outer bounds of where he's at physically right now, which I think is also very, very, very impressive. And then the, the last thing I want to say about his, his movement and his size that is just so to me, it seems so uncommon I think there were some very good moments in pick and roll defense. I think there were some less mm-hmm. stellar moments in pick and roll defense. But the possessions that just blew my mind weren't the ones where he switches out to someone that's a foot shorter than him and shows the ability to like get in a stance and slide or whatever. It was like with with Victor in these games, you could see him. He was almost playing. <laughs> Like it, it was kind of drop, but kind of to the level of the screen too. He's so big that he almost, we talk all the time on this pod about scheme versatility. I think this guy's going to give you incredible scheme versatility. If he, if you're using him as a screen defender, I, it probably would be tempting for a coach to use him in the Rob Williams, you know, floater role and just have him yeah. you know, guard a shooter and, and just, you know, protect the rim and put out fires all over the court. But if he is your screen defender, his ability to alter shots that are like jump shots where you're like, okay, you could see, you know, John Jenkins will come off a screen and like step back a little bit and get ready to take a three and being like, no, no, he's in drop. Like, or like, he's like a step or two below the screen. Like I got this, I got time and space and his ability to alter those shots to get from decent position, guarding the screen all the way to, wow, is he about to block this shot? He's, is he yes. about to block this 26-foot jump shot? And you could see, if he didn't block it, you could see these guys, that like a, a shooter like Jenkins or Leonard Miller or any of these other, Mojave King, any of these other wings and guards, 
that were taking perimeter jump shots for G League Ignite, you could see them having to recalibrate their shots as they're like in mid-shooting motion, simply because Wimbanyama, with his length and his reaction time, is able to to get out and contest shots in a way that that I that I really do think is um, pretty uncommon. And so you could just see him altering shots and contesting shots in ways that were different all over the court. And so that was the last thing I'd like to get in uh, on terms of, of Wemby's uh, movements. That's exactly right. Like I, I have the rim protection stuff starred, circled, highlighted. Like yeah. I think in the modern NBA context, like obviously we've learned how important rim protection is. I mean, you think about, I mean, you think about a team that we cover, the Charlotte Hornets, who have kind of just sorely lacked elite rim protection for years now. And that, of course, among other reasons, but but is a chief factor on why the Hornets have underperformed as a defensive unit over the past like half decade. Like there's just been a complete void of that. And and Wimbin Yama, like Brian, I think you make an excellent, excellent point. I do think there are going to be some warped shooting expectations after this, after this performance, particularly because of that second half performance in game in game one. And like, there's two sides of the coin on that for me. Yes, I think because of what he did in that second half, there's going to be a little bit of of outsized expectations on him as just like an elite shooter. Um, but on the other side of the coin on that, what I another thing I took away from that is he had a really good kind of game feel that he needed to take over scoring a little bit to get Metro mm-hmm. 92 back in that ballgame. I mean, they were down like 22 at one point in that first half, early second half, and he brought him all he brought them all the way back within like two points at one at, at a certain juncture in that second half with his shooting and scoring. So I thought that was kind of a, a cool attribute to see from a, you know such a young kid to say I'm the guy that's going to have to get us back in this ball game, even though it's an exhibition. Like you could tell him and Scoot really cared about this. I mean they they like particularly Scoot who was just incredibly fired up in that first half and should have been. I mean, he was it, awesome. It added to this, the overall spark of this game. Yes. Not only do those guys like play, you're hoping they play pretty well. You're hoping you get a couple highlight sequences. You're hoping some of those sequences overlap, right? When you and I talked about this game happening back in September, both of us were sort of like, Hey, fingers crossed. We get a couple interactions between right. Yama and scoot on the court. Now, unfortunately in the second game, one of those interactions early on caused um, the injuries. That's why Scoot only played five minutes in that game. Luckily, it doesn't seem like it's serious. But in game one, the fireworks of those two guys going at one another. I mean, Scoot got the the one finish that Scoot had in the first half where he uh, in the inside hand finish where he crossed over two guys on the perimeter, got downhill, and then used the rim to shield off Weminyama and finish. But then Victor gets him back later yes. on, blocking him with his left hand. Which again, I know I, I thought I, I know I said I was done talking about Victor's movements, but like the coordination to use your off hand to block that rocket as it's coming to the rim is it, it just again add it to the list of things that are just amazing in terms of Victor's package of size, length, increasing strength, coordination. Um, and plenty of other tools too. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search 
match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And that's such a small thing, but for, you know, kind of the casual basketball observer, it may not be that. But like even some of the best shot blockers in the NBA are almost all primary, like dominant hand shot blockers. Like that's a rare quality to have. And for him to flash that against another elite prospect who like, by the way, his best attribute is probably as like a slash rim finisher type like that. That's crazy. So the, the shooting stuff is really interesting, I think, because obviously he's going to need to shoot threes. He he already is an effective three-point shooter to some degree. I, I think to what degree is still kind of out there. Like if you had to put his over-under in a full like rookie NBA season of what he would shoot from three, I feel like it would be like mid thirties, maybe 34% something like, and maybe I'm underestimating. Like it's possible. I'm underestimating that it's possible. He comes out of the gate as like a 38% three point shooter. I would put it slightly lower than that. The only counterpoint I think to that would be that like, he is already a really good free throw shooter yeah. and the motion and like the motion and the finish, the high release. I mean, it all looks pretty damn good. It, it is going to be fascinating. Like, I agree with you on those sort of like, you know, kind of rough three-point shooting percentage projections right. because it, what I will say is you know the volume is going to be there. Not yeah. just because, he, I mean, he shot it a ton in these two games in Vegas. You said in the first game, seven of 11 from mm-hmm. deep and in the second game, two of seven. So, I mean, 18 three-point attempts across two games. He also yeah. got to the line a ton. I mean, a 20, ton. 28 free throw attempts in these two games, which is impressive. But he he has had the three-point volume across his early professional career. We saw him also do it with France um, in the uh, the FIBA World Cup uh, U19 last summer as well. But the reason why I don't think the, the percentage would like jump off the page is because he's just going to take tough attempts. Like He's yeah. also going to take... Yeah. There's going to be some self-created shots he takes. Like he can do pick and roll, pull up threes. He can do yep. isolation step back. He can do, you know, catch one dribble step back space creation into, uh, uh, you know, into a, you know, a, I guess sort of an off a one dribble off dribble three. But the the movement shooting coming off down screens, the DHOs, the trailers. I think there's going to be a degree of difficulty where good those are tougher shots. And I think if he limited, limited it to just pick and pops, it's like, you know, which will be open and him shooting against, you know, rotating coverages and stuff like that. I, I could see the volume goes down, but then the efficiency would go up a little bit. Sure. But, you know, right now we want to see the full outward bounds of what yeah. he's capable as a shooter. And so I was thinking about this, like, 
long term, it just it's so rare to project someone into like the Dirk or Towns, Carl Anthony Towns. Range. Like the two greatest shooting big men's of all time. <laughs> exactly. But it's like, and, and I even think, like, I've even seen people, including John Gavoni at ESPN, like running with like the Durant comp. I just, I think Durant is so uncommon. I'm very, it, it gets, I get like anxiety thinking about comping someone <laughs> to him because it's just, the, the man is truly an offensive uh, unicorn. But Brian, the, the the three guys I had written down were KD, Porzingis, and AD, yes. and and none of them are perfect. But there's like elements yes. of it, you know. Yes, exactly. So that is a, a, you you brought up the the other names I wanted to mention, which was like I think there's another tier, which is like the Porzingis maybe Jokic tier. Yeah, like very good shooters with some versatility. And and Victor, I would say, like has the ceiling and has shown the skills to have even more versatility shooting off the move and shooting off his own self-creation attempts um, from varying distances. And he has incredible range on the jumper and like, yeah, he'll he'll need to get stronger to, to really improve that. But like, I mean, big time NBA shooting range off the dribble and off the catch. But if he can end up in the, you know, in terms of Jokic, Porzingis, that category, um, then he's going to, I mean, the, the sky is the limit for him. I think if he ends up in like the AD territory where, you know, Davis up and down, re, re, up and, down and every yeah. season it has to be, um, you know, a commentary on well, where's the jump shot going to be. And the only time it's ever looked like really, really good from multiple levels was the bubble, yeah. you know? And so I, I kind of think of that as like maybe the floor, which, which is saying something for, for Victor. Totally. Um, but even if it's somehow cratered below that, there's still so much other stuff he's doing. And I don't think it's going to. I, I think he's going to end up being a, a, pretty, a pretty damn good shooter. Um, but The rim protection alone is just that valuable. It yes, truly is. Yes, yes. It's the rim protection, the movement defensively, what he can do everywhere. Um, deterring shots at the rim, altering three-point attempts, protect, closing the rim down. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild. So do you have any other... Any other Victor shooting thoughts? The, so the only thing I think I would expand on a little bit, you kind of alluded to it. Like he doesn't have the technical mastery and like, I don't even know how to explain it, but like whatever KD has offensively, like just the entire bag, he doesn't quite have that. And I don't think he, he will. And although I do think honestly, like, from a from a high level, I think KD actually is kind of underrated as a rim protector. Yes. Wimby on it is just in a different. He's in a different stratosphere as a as like a, a prospect rim protector. So I, I guess I would just reiterate the point that it's like there is there literally is no perfect comp, but there's elements of those guys not quite as much kind of like individual isolation creation. I think that KD has, and then just like the the technical massive bag of like different ways to get his shot off that Katie has. I don't think it'll ever be that. And but then you flip to AD and it's like AD at Kentucky was like this generational rim protection prospect. And I think when is a kind of like one step above even what Katie was as a freshman. And then the only other thing I would say, Brian, 
like not to pour cold water on this by any means, because I think from my like reaction and analyzation, you can tell how incredibly excited I am about this. But I don't know if I'm quite like I would put him in the same kind of prospect category as Zion, LBJ, AD, KD. I don't know if I'm quite ready to be like the guy of the last 40 years. And, And maybe in a month I will. I just think it's fair to say like he's in that group kind of already, which almost seems insane to say, but I think he is. I just don't think he's like clearly... Yeah, the bet. Would you agree with that, or do you think it already is? No, I'm with you in part because I just think there's there's some like recency bias with that. Like, right? We we it's hard to remember. It's hard to even remember like Zion in 2019. Now it's not for me because like I lived it it and (laughs) it was incredible. And yeah, the entire league was like angling to get that guy, or a third of the league was angling to to get Zion. And so I mean, like a similar thing's about to happen with. With Victor, but yeah, he's like he's he's in that category where yeah, you're you're the, the like the analogs are like Kareem, LeBron, yeah, AD, Ralph Sampson, Zion. <laughs> um, but but yes, I just don't think you. It's it's so it's so subjective. Um, and and again, I do think there's a good bit of recency bias with it as well. So I would say he's in that category for sure. And I mean, I would say like, I don't think Scoot is quite in that category, but man, obviously like he's going to have a big chunk of the league, super duper excited for next for, you know, for sort of like the 2023 draft, which is, which is like a great transition. Cause I think we should hit on Scoot really quick. We've got the full prospect pod on Scoot. So we don't necessarily need to go as deep on him as Victor. I just have three things I want to say about Scoot and then I'll, I'll jump it to you to either add observations or kind of uh, dovetail off what I'm going to say. So three things about Scoot. Number one, we talked about it on our, on our prospect pod for, for Scoot with Jaden Hart Hardy and Dyson Daniels gone. He is the absolute man on this team. He is like super high usage, you know, bunch of pick and rolls has the ball in his hand, every single possession. And we were hoping it would be as awesome as it was like, just incredibly explosive, incredible sense of when to pull up, when to attack, all these kind of shifty maneuvers to get around defenders. You already hit on probably what has been the most probably shared play where he had this, you know, this kind of traditional crossover to this like opposite hand kind of crazy wrap around around the legs that got him between two defenders, the Euro step to finish around Wimbignana, which was just electric. He is everything I would hoped he would be in this featured role, just incredibly dynamic, explosive at his size and strength. The second thing I would say is I was, I and I, I think to your credit, Brian, I think you were ahead on this a little bit. I was still like a little hesitant and, uh, pensive about what his pairing would look like with a Lamelo Ball, mm-hmm. and I think like my any of my worries are completely dissipated. Like, is he quite the catch and shoot guy you would want him to be right away? Maybe not, but I don't even think it matters because he's just so dynamic everywhere else. Like that would be an incredible backcourt, incredible. One can wish. 
And then the last thing I would say before I turn it over to you would be in my notes. And and I think I saw some people kind of having a opposite opinion on me on this one and, and would happily take any pushback if you had some different observations. But I, I did think he was pretty poor at the point of attack in that first game. Like I thought he got blown by a ton. I thought he kind of melted on ball screens. The, the, not even excuse, just like the counterpoint, I think, to what I'm saying would be his usage was so high and he was creating everything on the offensive end that it's hard to expect him to be like uh, Davion Mitchell on the ball or something. But in my notes, I literally have kind of horrific at point of attack, completely electric everywhere else. Yeah, I would say strictly to that, did not I, I'm actually with you. I, I thought the point of attack defense was like not great. I, I mean, to be clear, it was not like at the top of the list of things where I was, again, I was sort of like awed by what he was doing offensively. And you spoke to the explosion and the, the usage. I do think as far as the pick and roll defense goes, I just thought like ignites coverages. And to be clear, like these were their first two games they've played. This right. season. These guys have not, there's not a ton of continuity on this roster. I thought the pick and roll defense was just like disjointed in general. Like what the screen defenders, like what Leonard Miller and FA Abogidi were doing guarding ball screens. I mean, you could see the like a lot of like hard hedges, um, a lot of, a lot of like blitzes, traps, like that type of stuff. And I just thought the communication in terms of who's how long does the screen defender stick with the ball handler to let Scoot get back. It's um, a good point. Versus until those guys need to get recovered to their guy. Um, I just, I thought that was, that was bad, but that's going to get better as the season goes along. And as that sort of rounds into form, I think that's going to give us a more like cleaner setting to evaluate scoots point of attack defense. But look, even if, even if he ends up being a bad point of attack defender, which I don't think he will because the quick hands, which we saw on display that he has, yep. The, the 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 size for like a, a lead guard, the strength that is continuing to develop in the athleticism. I think he has oh, the chance to be that, to be a that breakaway dunk. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> and where he takes off from is insane. Yeah. But like, but even if that isn't, you know, even if that even if he hits the lowest ends of of his projections in terms of point of attack defense, like. Obviously, everything he's giving you offensively is going to be more than enough to say, well, we'll just put him on this secondary guy or this spot-up guy, and we're totally fine with it. Um, Some of the other thoughts I had about Scoot, and I I, I won't, because I mirror your thoughts in terms of a lot of the the offensive discussion points, I I won't repeat those. I would just say, um, as far as Scoot goes as like an off-ball guy, I do think he's going to end up becoming a pretty good spot-up shooter and shoot off the catch. Like I, I do feel pretty good about that. Um, however, um, his ability to move without the basketball, which is something we talked about on the scoot pod, not just certainly his ability to like cut in which he is a good cutter, violent downhill cutter that can use that to, to, to create a pressure point on the rim for his own finishes. But there was another time he got backdoor on a cut in the first game when Benyama was forced to crash down and stop him at the rim and he kicked it right out to, I believe it was Leonard Miller uh, in the corner for a, for a wide open three point attempt, which is just like that guy's going to spend the next 12 to 15 years of his life, just creating all kinds of open corner threes. And man, he can pass. Second, too. Yeah, I, passing, I was really impressed. I think the passing looked 
I was already pretty bullish on Scoot as a passer, but I thought there were some meaningful examples that showed uh-huh. his progression, even within the span of just, you know, one off season. Um, I think sort Agreed. of a more comprehensive understanding of where everyone is on the floor. So those court mapping skills, I think were better. I think you'll start to see more and more like skips and kick out passes, not just, not just, Oh, I forced the defense to bend with, because I touched the paint, you know, let me now I can, I, now I get to lob it to the guy who's open in the dunker spot, or I get to kick it to the guy who's open for three, which like, that's enough. But I think you're going to start to see more of the, okay, they're rotating like this on the backside, this person doesn't look open, but they're open in the corner. Let me skip it. You know, I think there's going to be more of those types of multi-layered reads that you're going to start to see from Scoot as the game continues to slow down. And and I would say to that end, his patience in the mm-hmm. pick and roll is incredible. You see some NBA ball handlers. I think this is something that even LaMelo has had to work on, just becoming more patient. Be waiting for your teammate to the guy who set the screen to to roll and to get downhill to take that extra dribble that extra half second to let this defender move there so your teammate can cut there or your teammate can relocate there or your teammate can dive there and just threading the pocket pass I, I thought he had a couple really really nice pocket passes to guys diving to the rim in the first yeah. game but I just thought his patience and his understanding while not perfect are really really high for a for a player his age and if you if you pair that with his athleticism it's insane and his ability to start and stop like this guy can go 0 to 100 but then 100 to 0 then back up to 100 then down to 15 then down to 95 like it's just it's crazy and he had a possession when 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 Victor and Scoot really started like just trading i, I mean seriously like haymakers with one another yeah. late in that game the one possession, it was I believe it was pick and roll. He got downhill. He turned the corner. He had two guys on him, including Victor, who you could tell at that point those guys were like kind of going at one another a little bit. Oh it yeah, was a little, which was awesome to see the back to back threes and stuff like that. The, the scoot hitting the brakes and letting those two guys fly by. You know, mm-hmm. he, he kind of gave him like a little. He stopped and gave him like a little shoulder fake. Those guys go <laughs> flying by. All of a sudden, he's just wide open at the rim for a finish. I mean, that was some you know. I know Luca doesn't move that fast, but we talk all the time about Luca's ability to decelerate. Totally. And that was just incredible, incredible deceleration skills, body control, and understanding. Because again, it's it's his patience while stuff is flying all around him as both a passer and a finisher. I was super impressed with from Scoot. But I did want to say just a couple more quick things about Victor. Just real, yes. real quickly. I should have gotten this in earlier. But I think one of my favorite things with him, and I saw this only a couple of times, but um, <laughs> because of his size, I love when he is, there are moments where he's the screener on offense and you see him either pop into space for a pick and pop three or he'll kind of like drift short roll style inside the arc. And the ball gets swung to him. Like let's say two defenders are on the ball in the pick and roll. Victor pops open into space on the weak side wing. It is hilarious when the off ball stunt or closeout rotates Uh at him. So like he catches it, he's open for a pick and pop three. 
the the weak side help defender is sliding over to contest the shot um or at least to hopefully bother the shot and that's good defense like that's what you're supposed to do it's supposed to be able right. to at least give a, you know, a step or two in the direction of the guy if not a full closeout to let the screen defender the big man your teammate get back to in this case Victor Wembanyama but there was one possession in the first i think it was the first game where Victor popped. He caught the ball on the left wing. Mojave King, who I, I by the way, I, I thought had a, a, a nice. Uh, I had him marked game. in my notes. I thought he looked really good. I, I really liked the like the pin down uh, shooting and playmaking that he had in this game. But I mean, he closes out on him, and Victor's just not even seeing him. Right. It's you not know? even a thought. <laughs> it, it, he's just not even seeing this uber athletic guy. Like flying. six six wing. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the gold state, like the the ideal sized wing, you know, like rotating at him in in King. Like it was a full closeout, basically. It wasn't just like a stunt, but like he's just not seeing that. And and again, his ability to shoot over, um, to shoot, you know, it's both the ability to dunk on Leonard Miller at the rim with ease, but also his ability to just like shoot over the top of guys. These like these just very standardized coverages that are not going to work against him. Um, and then the, the other version of that is when he pops sort of like closer into tighter windows of space. So it's kind of a pop. It's kind of a short roll. But there was another time where like he caught the ball at the elbow on a short roll or like nail elbow area. And there was a guy in the strong side corner when he caught it. And there were two defenders from... Uh, the ignite that were like in position, like one dude rotated up to catch him at the elbow. And there was someone that was there to like stop the, the cutter coming in from the corner. And so Victor, who, who I think in terms of processing, like isn't quite there. Like it, it, there's still like a little bit yep. of, of slowness yep. and lag though. I think the, the vision in, in, in uh, willingness to pass is, is quite good, but he can just see like the coverage is literally in place. Like there's a guy <laughs> marking him. There's a hat on a hat, right? Like there's a dude guarding him. There's a dude guarding the guy he's trying to throw the ball to, but he can just see and pass over the top. It was just another instance of like, there's another very large human being guarding him, but they, it, they may Doesn't as matter. well be a traffic cone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just going to be able to pass right over the top. It, it's so on. It's so, so, so uncommon. Um, and then I would say as far as the post game goes, it's not quite there yet. Like at least in terms of like static, more like deliberate, slow post touches. However, he's definitely willing to try stuff and his ability to yeah. isolate in the mid post area and use a combination of face up into back down moves or spinning and fading away baseline. He's not quite there with the left hand. He's pretty, pretty reliant on, a, on his right hand for finishing. You could see that when he would spin left or get downhill to his left hand. He doesn't quite have enough upper body strength to like bully guys one-on-one despite the length advantage that he has. And I just think like added strength, which again, he's clearly gotten bigger and stronger since last summer is going to help with help with those sort of like one-on-one half court possessions. But I also think this guy, because of his mobility is going to be a a guy that's going to be able to eat, in like early offense seals where mm-hmm. he just catches a cross match and all of a sudden it's a six, three guy trying to stop. I mean like, you know, Giannis style and he's in, in just the, he has the mobility, the foot speed, the footwork, like all the coordination, all the, the touch to do all of that stuff. But when he just becomes, when he has the ability to just simply like overpower more guys, 
he's going to get so many rim finishes and free throw attempts because of that stuff. I just I can't wait to see him get better in that regard. And just the last thing I would say is it's cool to see him getting the opportunity to initiate offense and to initiate in space. I don't think it's airtight yet, but him getting this opportunity with Met 92 was predicated on him getting more on-ball reps. I think those yes. are really, really good for him. And while I don't necessarily see him at this stage maybe being like a primary creator or whatever, I don't think that's like out of the question. And I think you're still going to get like a lot of offensive creation, obviously a ton of usage. Basically, I just don't think he's a pure, he's a pure like catch and shoot guy, you know, off pick and pops or spot ups, nor do I think he's like a pure, just like off ball screen and dive or, you know, cut finisher. Like I do think he can give you some, one-on-one scoring and playmaking it's just it's going to need some time and some more seasoning and luckily that's exactly what you're going to get from him this year uh with met 92 yeah i those that was a all really really good points to kind of put a bow on this victor conversation the only thing i would uh mention is uh i thought the, the left hand uh point was great brian because i i had forgotten to mention that and i did make some notes about there were a couple times, and it's a small thing, but like there were a couple times where it, it's very clear to anybody that watched basketball, like, oh, you would have been much better off going with your left hand and finishing yeah, there. Yeah. He would almost try and come back towards the defense with his right hand on the left side sometimes. It's just like you shouldn't do that, but it's 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 workable. Like he'll figure that out in time. But yeah, it's true. And the fact that he has that ability to, you know, block shots. Uh, with his off with both yeah you know, it's like that's it's right not, it's maybe not the same sort of like body mechanics but the fact that he is like there is there's the uses obvious <laughs> coordination and development with that offhand that like i'm certain he, he even if he never could even if it never developed he'd be fine because of his length um in like relative i don't think he's like super explosive jumping but pretty you know more of like a almost like more like of a smooth jumper um but it is something that I'm sure he'll add and it'll make him that much totally. more diabolical in terms of like finishing around the cup. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.